You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen. You all happy to be in church this morning? Are you, do you appreciate our worship team? They did a great job. Where is everyone? It's craziness. They heard I was preaching. <laughs> that better not be true. <laughs> that better not be true. Awesome. Well, as Parrish said, Dr. Holler and Pastor Ann are in Kerrville, Texas. Dr. Holler sent me a, a text this morning and he said, do what you always do. Preach like an escapee. That, that you don't have an option of going back anyway. Amen? Yeah. Amen. We have some good friends, Parrish and I. He said not to do this, so it's done. Bishop Richard Slaughter and his wife, Angela, good friends of ours from high school. Thank you for coming. They drove out, <laughs> they drove out here uh, a couple of hours, so I appreciate them very much. Um, turn in your Bibles to John 10.10. 10. John 10, 10. This is very familiar, but we're going to jump in and I'm going to, I'm going to kind of break it down a little bit. I want to show you some things that, that God showed me and some things that I believe that are going to help you with this because it helped me whenever I, um, whenever I saw this. John 10, 10. Everybody there? Nope. Your fingers are working frivolously trying to get to your iPhones and your Bibles and, and flipping pages on the old school stuff. John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But, say but. But. I have come, that is Jesus has come, that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Father in heaven, we love you today. We thank you for an opportunity to be together. Father, and under your word, I thank you that that there's power in the anointing, God, that goes out. Father, and I thank you that every life here is going to be changed and transformed. Every person that's under the sound of my voice, Father, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're doing a work in their life, God, that they're going to leave forever changed with a greater revelation of your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What I think is interesting about this passage of Scripture is that the use of the word thief. Okay? Thief. Why didn't it say robber? Why, why did the Scripture not say a robber comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Or the robber comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Right? Robber and thief are two separate criminals. It's the same type of crime, but if you break it down, you've got two separate types of criminals, a robber and a thief. See, a robber comes in with a tactic whenever violence is necessary, right? Whenever you're there, he comes in, he or she comes in to, to, to take it while you're there, to take it from you, to take something from you, and, 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 and there's a difference in a thief and a robber. Whenever I worked at Brahms in high school, I was in Terrell, Texas, and I worked at Brahms, and we were closing down for the night, and this gentleman walks in, and I was the only one there. Well, my manager was in the back, and I was a measly little ice cream dipper, right? The big <laughs> dipper. Did my little square dipping and everything. So, <laughs> so we're, we're sitting there, and, and I'm about to close up, and I'm, I'm fixing to start counting down my teal. And this guy walks in, and I was like, hey, how are you? And he was like, good, how are you? And mm, like didn't 
expect this at all. He walks in and he walks down the line and he gets a, like a, an ice cream cone or whatever and I'm dipping it for him and I'm having conversation. I'm looking up and I hand him his little ice cream cone and I walk down to the register and I was like, all right, that's $1.88. And he said, give me all the money in your register. And I went, huh? <laughs> like, well, wait a minute. We were friends a second ago. What's happening here? And so he had something in his little pocket of his hoodie and I wasn't going to test it. Like I was like, getting all the money out. I'm like, you want to under the, here too. We got some hundreds down here. Like, I, let me, you know, so I'm giving him all this money. And then I walked in the back and I said, hey, I just got robbed. And she was like, shut up. No, you didn't. And I was like, uh, watch the camera. Like, yeah, I pushed the button and everything. The police are on their way. I don't know what else to do, you know? And she was like, well, did you give, did you give him the money? And I was like, yes, I gave him the money. I would have given him the other till if he'd hung out a little bit longer, you know? Like we, we, there's a difference. Has anybody ever been robbed? Nobody, I'm the only one. Vincent Tannehill, thank you, buddy, Air 5. So there's a difference in a robber and a thief. A thief comes in, listen to this, a thief comes in and conducts his business when nobody's around. You've had a thief. Comes in when nobody's around. They don't want to be recognized, right? They come in and get your stuff whenever you're least expecting it. You come home from work and your stuff is gone. Like you're like, ah, what happened? Where did this come from? Robber takes it while you're there, puts up a struggle. Like in Malachi, like three, chapter three, I think verse eight, talks about robbing God with our tithe, right? God is there and we're, don't, we're not taking up another offering. Don't freak out. <laughs> don't freak out. But... That's the difference. We're robbing God and He's there in the midst. He knows we're not giving it to Him, what's rightfully His. A thief comes in when nobody's around. He doesn't want to be recognized. He doesn't want to draw a big stink to himself. He doesn't want everybody to know that it's him. And so what, what happens, what ends up happening is we end up blaming each other. That's good. Come on. A thief comes in, starts stealing from us, starts taking things that are ours and we begin to blame each other. Here's the identity of your thief today. First Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion looking for someone that he can devour. Amen. Your adversary is not the person that upset you yesterday. Your adversary is not the person that cut you off on the way to church this morning. Right? I drove two hours from Terrell this morning. Your adversary is not the, the, your spouse that got on your last nerve in the car. I listen to old timey music and Parrish can't stand it. I'm not your adversary this morning, honey. Got it. The worship team is not your adversary because they didn't sing the song you wanted them to sing today. Right? We have an enemy. And that is the devil. We have to stop fighting each other and give credit where it's due. Yes. The thief, listen to this. The Greek word for thief is klepto. In that scripture, that scripture, that word is klepto. Let that sink in a minute. Klepto. Sound familiar? That word is klepto. <laughs> I think it's amazing that this word is used 
Because it reminds us how cunning the devil is. It reminds us how sneaky he is. It reminds us that he can come in without blame because nobody thinks it's him. Nobody recognizes who it is. So he comes in and gets it before you even realize that it's gone. The word thief is klepto, as in kleptomaniac. That definition is a person with a persistent neurotic impulse to steal. Klepto. A person with with a persistent neurotic impulse to steal. Just like a kleptomaniac can't help but to steal, the enemy can't help but to steal because it's his nature. It's exact polar opposite of what God's nature is, is to get stuff to you. The enemy wants to get stuff from you, wants to take what is rightfully yours. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Understanding who the devil is, we need to understand his purpose to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, klepto. Listen to this. This was so amazing to me. I've always said something totally different in this scripture. But listen, listen to this. Let's break this down. Kill. I've always thought of it as murdering, right? Like you're murdering someone or, or someone's after you to murder you, right? But this word here is the Greek word thuo. Say it, thuo. Say it again, thuo. It means to sacrifice. Going further into that, it originally refers to the sacrifice and giving animals on the altar. It could also mean to sacrifice or to surrender something that's precious to you. It didn't really have anything to do with physical murder of something or someone. It's a sacrifice. And get this, in those days, that was their what? Worship. That's how they worshiped. The enemy today is after your worship. He wants to kill your relationship with God. He wants to kill that intimacy. Why do you think the worship leaders or the worship team or the worship service is always under attack? Amen. That's good. As a worship leader, I can attest to that. As someone that has led worship for over 10 years, I understand that. You're walking down life and it goes boom. Right? If he can attack your worship, if he can kill your relationship with God, your intimate setting with Jesus, then he's got everything lined up. Yeah. He's got everything lined up to take it away from you, Amen. to klepto, to steal it from you. This is good. This is good. Thuo. That was their worship. The devil wants to kill your worship. He wants to attack your relationship. Psalm 22 and 3, Paris said this morning, He inhabits our praises. He is in the midst of what we're doing. He's in the midst of us worshiping Him. When we begin to just open our mouth and just worship God, He's in the midst. He's standing there. He's with you at that moment. He's with you all the time. But there's an intimacy in that moment that you're spending time with Him. You're choosing to spend time with Him. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. 
right? There's peace. There's understanding of things that you didn't, wouldn't have understood outside of his presence. There's restoration in his presence. There's wholeness in his presence. Everything that you need is in his presence. And if the enemy can steal that little bit of information from you, if he can steal that worship, if he can steal the intimacy that you have in that moment, then he can have everything that comes along with his Amen, presence. He can klepto your joy. He can klepto your self-confidence. He can klepto all the things that God has destined for your life whenever you allow him to come in and to steal that intimate time. He wants to steal everything that Jesus has promised you or provided for you. You're his dwelling place, but there's intimacy in that time of worship. You may not sing or play an instrument or, or thank you, Jesus. Some of you don't. I've heard you. <laughs> we have auditions every once in a while. Just kidding. Come on, there's, there's an importance in worship. That's why on whenever your alarm clock went off this morning, you wanted to stay in bed. That is so good. That's word. That's, that's, that's a good word. You know how I know? Because <laughs> of my little finger on my cell phone. Doop snooze. Doop snooze. Doop snooze until my wife was like, get up! <laughs> We're going to be late. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but God gets the glory when we worship him. That's right. Right? He's lifted up. It's meant to lift him up. Bishop Richard and I had lunch, or coffee actually, this week. Bishop Richard. Had, we had coffee this week, right? And um, we were talking about this and how, you know, I've heard people say, you know, we don't get anything out of worship or, you know, the things, that, the things that we come up with, we start saying, you know, worship didn't really impact me this week like, you know, like it should. Or, or you know, I, 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 didn't, I came in a little bit late because worship is always a little bit, you know. But, but we're not worshiping each other. Amen. I'm not worshiping you. When I'm standing here and I'm jumping and I'm shouting and I'm singing, it's not for you. It's not for you. It's for God. It's for the situation that he brought me out of. It's for the situation that he's taking me into, the goodness. It's for the things that he prevented me from that I wasn't even aware of. Right? So when we begin to just step out and just worship God, it's not about us. It's not about you. But what I love about God is that we're not meant to get anything out of it. But this morning while we were worshiping God, I heard some tears happening. And I heard some people laughing over there. And when I turned around, it wasn't like they were laughing at a joke, like they were just having a conversation between them and God, you know. People were lifting their hands and they're shouting and they're jumping. Because it's not about you. But what ends up happening is it becomes a battle between you and God of who loves who more. Yes. <laughs> That's what I find. You're worshiping God and you, you can't help it. 
You just begin to worship him. You say, God, you're beautiful. And he says, you were created in my image. You say, you're holy and wonderful, God. And he says, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You say, I can't live without you. He said, I died for you. Come on, somebody. He makes a way for you. He pushes love back into you and steals it into you because he loves you that much. But we try to make it about something else. And that's the enemy's plan. He's, he wants to throw you. He wants to take away your sacrifice. He wants to take away your worship. He wants to take away an opportunity that you have to show love to God because he knows that through that love and through that worship, things change because the presence of God shows up. so crazy. The enemy tries to distract us. And if he can do that, he wins. He wants to put us in a place where we're hurting too much to worship God. Or we're, or, or, you know, if I lift my hands, am I going to accidentally bump the person next to me? Or what, what's going to happen? Or are they going to look at me like I'm some lunatic? Are they, you know? He, the enemy wants to hinder that. He wants to, to attack your worship. He wants to take it away from you because things are going to change in that. Yes, that's good. I said it earlier, but we don't have to, to beg God for His presence. His presence is in us. His presence is here with us right now. Anywhere that you walk, the presence of God goes with you because you are His dwelling place. This morning we sang, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Right? We said, come flood this place and feel the atmosphere. We know He's already here, but our, our point in that song is not to say, come in here, please, Holy Spirit. Our point is to say, we know that you're here, and we welcome you to do whatever you want to do. Whatever it is that you have planned, God, we'll yield to that. We'll be a part of whatever you have planned. We'll be a part of whatever it is that you're wanting to do here, because we showed up to meet you corporately. Amen? When we're hurting, that's the most important time to worship God. When we're in a season of self-loathe or when we're in a point of just self-disgust, that is the most important time to worship God. I've said it so much, but I'm going to say it again because I'm a worshiper. It's who I am. It's what I do. But when we worship God, it's an act of faith. We step out into a field where that may be unfamiliar at times. We step out because the enemy has completely put attacks against us all week long. But we step out and say, I'm going to choose to worship you, God, anyway, no matter what the devil has thrown my way. Now listen to this. The Bible says that when, in the days that they were in battle, they sent the musicians out first. They sent the worshipers out because it confused the enemy and what ended up happening according to the word of God is that when that happened they defeated themselves they turned against each other let me remind you today that when you're worshiping God the things that the enemy has attacked you with the principalities and powers that you're fighting start defeating themselves you don't have to do anything Pastor Israel sang a song this morning, all I did was stay still, that's, the, that's it. All you did was worship. All you did was praise. Wow. Bow down. Mm -hmm. 
That's all you're responsible for. That's the word. I mean, this is not, you, you don't make it up. It sounds unlogical, but that's when you know it's God. That's when you know that you're probably on the right track. If things are lining up fair and square, and you, you may want to just, I'm not saying it's not God, but I'm just saying you may want to just bless it. Yes. <laughs> because the things that seem unlogical in my experience have always been the things that God really wanted to happen. <laughs> and then when you step out in faith, it just ignites. Yes. God's like, I told you, dummy. Who's the creator here? And I'm like, I thought maybe it might have been me <laughs> just a little bit. No. God knows. Nothing is a surprise to him. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I will bless the Lord at all times, not sometimes, not when it looks good, not when, when me and my wife are getting along, not when my kids aren't getting a spanking, not when all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Listen to this. The devil doesn't know what's coming. He doesn't know what you're about to step into. He doesn't know the future. All he knows is the right here and now. And that's what he attacks is the right here and now. Because if he can, he, if he can attack your now, he can affect your what's to come. Amen. That's good. What's coming up to you He's attacking the right now to affect that. Amen. Because if we allow the attack to be successful in our life, we carry that in. We carry it into the next season. Devil's job is done. He's like, I know. I did it. Right? Worship changes things. He will do anything to steal your worship, and that's why. Because it changes the very situations that you face. It changes the very circumstances that you're standing in the middle of. And he's been doing it from the very beginning. Matthew 4, 8, and 9 says this. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. Verse 9 says, And saith unto him, All these things I will give to you if you'll fall down and worship me. Jesus. If you'll worship me, I'll give you all this. You kidding me? If you will worship me, the devil says, I will give you all of this. But something else that happened at the very beginning. See, the enemy has been doing that since the beginning. But something else that happened at the very, very beginning is God created the heavens and the earth. So the enemy was trying to produce and trying to give him something that already belonged to him. He didn't have a right to give him anything. It was already his. And that's what the enemy does in our life. He tries to offer something that he doesn't have the authority or the power to offer. He tries to offer us something that's not even his to begin with. That's so good. Yes. How can the devil offer Jesus what was already his? What already belonged to him? He does that to us by kind of putting in 
little curves in the path or little things that look good. But just because it looks good doesn't mean it's God. So what ends up happening is we think that this way is the peace, but it can't be because the enemy doesn't have peace to give you. It's a look-alike. He attacks our spiritual life to put a wedge between us and God, because if he can do that, then he puts a wedge between our relationship with God. He puts a wedge between our worship with God. He puts a wedge between you and your church. It's like a domino effect. He just starts, it just starts going down the line. He tries through physical, emotional, financial, and spiritual pain. We have to take action against the enemy. We have to worship God in these situations because what happens is our things start to line up. Things start to get better. It starts to work out for you. Amen? Amen. The last thing in John 10, 10, steal, kill, and say it, destroy. Apolumai. Apolumai. To carry out the idea of something that is ruined, wasted, or trashed. To carry out the idea that something is ruined, wasted, or trashed. So he wants to take away your worship, kill it. He wants to klepto everything that, that God tries to give us. And now he's wanting to ruin whatever remnants, remnants are left over. Anything that wasn't successful in the first two if some way you managed to keep your peace when he tried to take it from you, if some way you managed to muster up enough courage to worship God in spirit and in truth, in some way you managed to do those two things, he says, okay, I'll ruin the rest. Whatever, whatever else is left, I'll just, I'll ruin it. I'll work my magic and I'll ruin it. He tries to ruin it. He ruins relationships. He ruins marriages. He ruins good jobs. He ruins family gatherings. Have you ever had that Uncle Bobby that you prayed didn't come to your family <laughs> gatherings? <laughs> that got drunk before everybody else? <laughs> right? I mean, and then you're like, well, this is ruined. <laughs> Everybody's got it. You know? I mean... Maybe you are the Uncle Bobby. Hopefully not. <laughs> but you're in the right place if you are. Amen? Amen. <laughs> but he ruins leadership. He ruins churches. Yeah. Just by the word. Just from that. Steal, kill, and destroy. He just says whatever's left, whatever managed to escape through the fine fences, I'm just going to ruin it. And the devil's biggest playground is the church. Amen. His biggest place of attack is in the body of Christ, is in the church. Because if he can destroy that, if he can ruin that, then everything else is a piece of cake. We do the battle ourselves. We start turning against each other. <laughs> we get confused and start turning against each other. 
He'll turn you against each other in a heartbeat. Yes. You know, through the years I've had people that have called me and said, you know, I'm just, I'm struggling so much. I mean, I don't know what's going on. This person at church said this about my mama, and this lady said this, and this person did this, and this person, you know, said this, and I was walking out, and I tried to shake their hand, and they pulled back, or they did, but whatever the situation is, and it's causing people to step back. It's causing people to say, you know what, maybe this isn't for me. Amen. But we have to recognize the real accuser of the brethren. We have to recognize and say, look, but that's a real hurt. That's a real, that's a real feeling. When someone is attacking you by the people that you love, you're under attack from the people that you sit and worship God with. That is a hurt. It's a pain. It's a deep rooted pain. And that's what the enemy is after. That doesn't happen at this church. No, I'm talking about. Other churches I've been at. <laughs> but it's a real hurt. It's a pain, man. I felt it. I've gone home and been like, you know what? I don't think so-and-so likes me. That's, that's real. That's true. Can we be honest? Amen. I'll do it, if you will. Right? I mean, I felt like that. I've gone home and been like, you know what? Maybe I'll just resign. No. Never felt like resigning, but I've been like, I don't, maybe I'll skip Wednesday. You know? Maybe I won't go on Wednesday. It's a small service and so and so is going to be there and they don't like me. Got real quiet. <laughs> if he can distract you by these ruins, by these relationships, then he can get you to abandon your purpose. That's the whole goal. I believe you can see the call of God on your life. He uses these things and these people that love you the most and the people that you love the most to say hurtful things against you, to call you names, to mock you. to take a toll on you mentally so that you can abandon your purpose. So when you're standing at a place of moving forward for the purpose that God has on your life or taking a step back, you'll choose to take the step back because he speaks lies. He says, you don't like yourself. Look around, everyone's judging you. You should have never showed back up. Your life is unsuccessful. Those are lies from the enemy. Amen. And if we receive them, if we pick them up, if we water that seed that the enemy plants, then his job's done because we're doing all the work. You know how I know? We have the same enemy. The same devil. <laughs> the same big honking daddy devil, the master of them. It's the same one. 
These things are his purpose, to steal, kill, and destroy, to take your worship, to steal the peace of God from you, to steal the restoration in your marriage, to steal the things that, that God sacrificed his son to make sure you had. And then to just ruin the rest of it. Whatever seemed to leak through, he just ruins the rest of it. That's his purpose. That's what he wants to do. That's what his, that's what his, his MO is. That's what his mission is. Because if there's nothing to steal, then a thief doesn't come. We had someone one time, not, I mean, I say friend loosely, more like an acquaintance, not that they were bad people, but they had someone that came into their home constantly and they were being robbed blind. They were being, they were thieving it because they weren't there, but so they would, you know, know that they they would invite these people in know they left their back door unlocked or whatever and then that person would go back later and they couldn't figure out who it was because they had a lot of people over and I told I was like I told them I was like listen me and Paris have been married 13 years and I have never ever not one time had somebody come into my home and steal what was mine that I knew you know but it ends up happening because they know what you have They know what you have because they've been in your home. If you let the wrong people in your home, are you getting me? Amen. If you let the wrong people in your home, if you let the wrong situations in your life, if you let the wrong people in your life, if you let the wrong enemy That's in right. your life, yeah. if you let things come in that don't belong there, they know what you have. And then what ends up happening is they come in to steal what you have because it's valuable to you. The peace of God is valuable to me. I have seven children. <laughs> it's valuable in my life. So the enemy is going to attack that. Financial prosperity is valuable in my life. I have seven children. <laughs> it's valuable to me. So the enemy is going to attack that. But if I don't put myself in situations where they know what I have, or if I don't allow situations to come to me, they won't know what I have. Does that make sense? Yeah, amen. If you allow the enemy in, if you dance with the devil, That's right. then he's going to know what you have. Amen. And he will do nothing but steal it. Amen. You have valuable, you have a valuable inheritance. You have a valuable inheritance. Everything that Jesus left you when he rose again and went to heaven is valuable for your life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came that you may have life. Say life, life. and more abundantly. Say more abundantly. Lord. Abundantly there is this word, and I don't know how to say it, but I'm going to try. Permission. I think that's how it's pronounced. If not, I'm sorry. <laughs> that word means super abundant. This is the important part, okay? The word abundantly, the Greek word there means super abundant, overflowing, over and above a limited quality, uh, over and above a limited quantity. Overflowing. Oh, that's my favorite. Over and above a limited quantity. God doesn't want a limited quantity for your life. He wants over and above that. Yeah. 
He wants wholeness in your life. He wants everything to be to the brim, your peace to the brim, overflowing where you can rub it off on other people. He wants good for you. 1 Corinthians 2 and 9 says, Eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things <laughs> which God has prepared for those that love Him. You haven't even scratched the surface, in other words. On your best week, whenever you walk out on a Friday feeling mighty fine because you feel like everything has gone your way, you got a few bucks in the bank, you got your car running, you didn't have a flat this week, your kids, none of them got a spanking, you know, like you're like really living the high life if you're in my shoes. Like that would be my living the high life, right? <laughs> that doesn't even scratch the surface of what God has prepared for you. It's an overflow. It's well above any limit. There's no limit on the quantity that God wants for your life. The Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians 3 and 20 that God is able. Shout able. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. The devil wants you defeated. He wants you sick. He wants you depressed. He wants you to just be miserable. But, and, and he wants to, there to be a struggle in your life. But the struggle is not real, folks. I'll be the first to say that. Whenever that saying came out, the struggle is real, I'm like, why would people say that? <laughs> why? The struggle's not real. That's a mirage. That's, a, that's, a, that's a, 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 a fake thing because you're already whole. You're already healed. You're already prosperous in everything that you do. And so the struggle that's coming against you is just that, coming against you. It's not for you. It's not already in you. It's coming towards you. So we can count it as not there. Why not? Why is that impossible? Isaiah 14, 6 tells us that when we see the enemy, literally, this is, what the, this is what Scripture says, we'll say, is this the one that shook heaven and earth? Is this the one that caused me all that pain? This little pipsqueak is the one that made me cry? <laughs> Kidding me? Isaiah 14, 16. Is this the one that I feared my entire life? My wife said like plankton on Spongebob. Anybody know who plankton is? Little critter, little creep. Always trying to steal that Krabby Patty recipe. I kind of want to see him do it though, just to see. But then the show would be over and then there'd be no more Spongebob and then, you know. So the, but the answer has already been given to you, and the answer is Jesus. Whatever you're facing in life, the Bible says, but Jesus came that you may have life 
and have it more abundantly. He wants an abundant life for you. The struggle is not real. You have been made an overcomer through Jesus. You've been made more than a conqueror. You've already won. So Jesus came to give you a life of abundance, a life of peace, wholeness, come on, goodness, anything that you need, fill in the blank, a future and a hope. Yes, amen. You may not know exactly what's coming, but rest assured that whatever it is, it's going to be good. Yes. Whatever it is, whatever is on the horizon for you is going to be good. It may not be what you expected, but it's going to be good. It may not be what you anticipated, but it will be good because God is a good God and he wants yes. good plans for your life, not to harm you, but to prosper you. According to Jeremiah 29:11. Amen. What do you need today? What is it that you're facing? What is it that, that you're finding difficult to step out of or to, or to walk through or to whatever it is? The answer is Jesus, and He's able to make that happen for your life. If you'll bow your heads with me this morning.